and that's how we got through utilizing those three things is how we actually got through the uh, the 2008 2010 economic downturn it's time for the creative real estate podcast your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com now here's your hosts adam and jason welcome back to the creative real estate podcast i'm jason j lou lewis with my co-host adam adams Today on the episode, we're going to be talking about the value of, of understanding a evolving market. We're possibly coming into one with the current economic situation that we have right now here in 2020. And we have a, a gentleman that's gone through it one full cycle and then maybe even some smaller ones during his time and his real estate career. He's well-diversed in all aspects of real estate, all sectors from multifamily to land development, over 800 acres of land that he's developed, multifamily retail. So he's going to talk us through today of his experience of how he himself and his team and then others that he was around during the downturns were able to to ride out that wave and uh, making sure that they came out on top of a situation that might be reoccurring here in, in 2020. So Adam and I want to welcome on Jerome Malnado. Thank you, Jason. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Adam. Great. Well, let's, we always like to start off with where you ultimately started off in real estate. What's that first deal that you can remember, whether it was maybe a deal you did or just something that you were involved in that was real estate related that, that triggered that kind of aha moment of like, okay, this, this is what I'm going to be doing for possibly the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it, it, what's funny is that I, I never really thought I was a real estate person. I always considered myself more of just a traditional entrepreneur. We've owned a lot of businesses over the years and um, in the early 90s, going into mid 90s, I, we had some economic downturns um, personally where the companies we were doing work for uh, fell apart on us and left us uh, kind of stranded and broke. And so when I started making good money again in, uh, in our construction company in the mid 90s, I decided to invest in, in assets, you know, and I figured what better than single family rental homes. And so I got into uh, real estate in 1998. And um, when we were forced and we grew, and we were forced to expand. I bought a small retail center in 2000. And my aha moment was more so when uh, I was able to put the uh, renovations to that retail center. Six months later, we had leased it. And it was paying for the real estate that we were occupying for our business. And we had cash flow from it. And that, that retail center was paying for our health insurance, our life insurance policies. And it's continued to pay. And we still own that center. And I thought, well, if, if it worked like this for this one, I've got to do more. And so at that point, we started investing all the money that we were generating in excess capital. We started investing and putting back into real estate, whether it was uh, single family homes that we were renting or retail back in the early 2000s. And, um, and it's, it's just evolved from there to where we are today. That's great. Do you still have the construction company is, or at this point, are you 100% real estate ass, hard asset focused? You know, they, they complement each other. We still indeed have the, the, the construction company. In fact, um, it's been our, our cash flow and our cash beast for over 20 years. Um, it's been a pivotal uh, part of our company. Um, it's allowed us to expand our real estate. We, we've diversified into developing our own properties. In fact, uh, most of what we build 
now isn't for customers, it's for ourselves. Um, the land development that we do, um, a lot of it is internal work. Now, we still do uh, contract work out, but it's very um, limited and far from in comparison to what we do for ourselves. And so it's been able to complement our real estate portfolio over the past 20 plus years. So yes, we're still involved in it. Is that something that you would say helped you get through the downturn, say in 08, or was it more of a hindrance having a, a business as well as asset-based uh, real estate? No, you know what? I'll tell you that um, my construction experience is what's made our, our real estate experience so successful over the course of time. Um, I don't know if there's anybody with as much construction and real estate diversification experience out on the internet right now, uh, you know, with as much residential and commercial development and construction experience that we've utilized, we were able to complement um, our business and utilize it on our behalf. So when what, things weren't working back home here in, in uh, Albuquerque, when the recession hit, we, I was able to take this out to Arizona, pick up uh, value add properties, put crews together out there, bring crews from New Mexico down to Arizona and um, use it in our advantage to be able to um, to reconstruct distressed properties and the distressed properties, our old properties, the capital that we were making from them, from our, the renovated portions, were servicing the debt to our new properties, our A properties that we had built during an elevated market. So it actually complemented it. Plus, we were able to get back into the residential sector um, where we were dealing with homeowners. Um, we had kind of pulled away from that stuff, but having the experience and already having in the business model, it was it allowed us the, the diversification allowed us to be able to penetrate that market again quickly, and be able to start generating cash flow so that we could service our debt, and that's what kept us alive uh, during the downturn of uh, the economic crisis and financial crisis of two thousand eight through two thousand ten was having that diversification. What What are a couple businesses that might complement a real estate investor's? portfolio, maybe you could call it that, um, overall business portfolio to possibly be able to weather this 2020, 2021 economic situation. So is there anything out there that today with maybe technology opportunities or this or that, that if you were starting to today where you were say 20 years ago, that you would maybe do other than construction, or do you still think that tried and true knowing and having that construction background was a pivotal point in letting you get through to 08 to 2010. I've got a couple answers for that. The construction company for us is still going to be solid. We do a lot of government work now, about 70% of our income is from government contracts. And if anybody knows how the government works, they are have those, to serve. Is that those GSA or are those sub, a different type of uh, service. I know a couple of our clients do GSA developments for the FBI for their headquarters and that. Are those are, are those those types of contracts or what type of contracts are you you getting for government? No, so we we there are a lot of these we're a subcontractor for other contractors that are GCs under um government bonded projects, construction projects. And so for us with our construction company, we'll let, we'll be able to cash flow through all of this because the government has to spend those bonds before the end of the year. Any of those federally um, allocated funds have to be spent with or without what's going on. And if they don't, they don't get them next year. So when, um, when they go in and they lobby for bills to be passed and money to be allocated, um, it, 
those uh, projects still get funded. We don't do new development for the government, for the federal government. We don't build new construction for them. We, we pour concrete. And so that services is just one company. Now, to answer your question, you know, if you go back to like, um, if anybody's ever read the book on the biography of Ray Kroc, it's a perfect example of how you can utilize real estate right now uh, to benefit from the downturn and how to get through it. Uh, one thing that we did back in 2008, when we had retail that was empty, we got creative. I didn't know anything about the beauty salon industry, but we opened up uh, beauty salons. And when we did it, we branded a company called Trans Cuts and Salon. And I opened them up in our buildings, not really to make a profit on the salons. It was more to give life to the buildings. And lo and behold, because of our business experience, we did generate profits. We landed up selling off the businesses to girls that worked for us. And because we didn't want the business, we wanted the lease, we wanted the rent. And so that was one creative way that we filled our retail. Um, a second way is we got into the franchise business. I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. We were busy with our companies, but I uh, became a multi-unit owner of Subway. Um, we had Subway stores that had leased from us. Um, I liked the business model at that time. Um, the restaurant industry has changed since we got into the Subway business years back. Um, but we kept the Subway stores for about six, seven years. And we bought uh, multiple stores. We filled through them in our buildings. And the the subway stores paid for our debt. And I got that just from studying and reading um, Ray Kroc's story. You know, people, when he went and spoke at Harvard Business School, they asked him, Ray Kroc, they asked Ray Kroc, you know, he asked the students, do you know what business I'm in? And when they responded, they laughed and chuckled and said, I'm, I'm in the, you're in the hamburger business. And he goes, no, I'm in the real estate business. I just found a way to utilize ha to the, the sale of hamburgers, French fries, and shakes to pay for my real estate. And so I took that concept with subway stores and that's how we serviced a lot of the debt on our, uh, on our real estate. And then the third way we did it is we started getting creative. Um, we went down to Arizona and at the time uh, the housing market was one of the big five that had been the most distressed nationwide. Um, right now we'll be able to see in the next 60 to 90 days um, where the economics are going to be, have the most impact negatively nationwide. And so I urge people, pay attention to those markets because what we landed up doing was we went into one of the big five markets that were the most distressed, that we felt that was closest to us, that we knew a, a little bit about, and we educated ourselves in that market. And I purchased D and, uh, D and C properties, stuff that I, I would consider to be garbage, you know, but we renovated those properties. And at the time, there was some immigration stuff that was happening with uh, the governing body in Arizona, and they weren't allowing landlords to rent and lease um, to Im illegal immigrants. And um, so at that point in time, we did. Um, I just did the, the numbers, and they, I figured, okay, if I got fined for leasing to illegal immigrants, the fines were less than the benefits because we had so much purchase that purchasing power that we had done at that point in time. It serviced the debt to our stuff that we had locally by doing value add properties. And we just shifted our business model from new construction to value add properties. And, it, and that was the third way that we serviced the debt. And that's how we got through utilizing those three things is how we actually got through the, uh, the 2008, 2010 economic downturn. And those are similar things that people are going to have to look at right now with uh, the COVID-19 epidemic um, pandemic and they're going to have to get creative. And so we're doing the exact same thing because we want to take advantage of what's going to happen with this economic downturn. Yeah, that's I, I love the Subway and the uh, hair salon. That's the quintessential creative real estate 
position right there is you have a need and you're going to figure out some way somehow to meet that need. And your need was to get a paying lease. So you needed a tenant in there that was signing a lease and what better way to do that than take control of it yourself. And then you were able to get out. It sounds like you're able to add value to uh, some of the workers, some of your employees uh, of the nail salons or hair salons that were able to acquire that. And, and I'm guessing that was very big for them. Big life changer. Yeah. Win, win, win all the way around. That's what it's about right now. I think so many times people get selfish and, um, and, and it's, it becomes a me, 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 me type of a thing, especially as Americans, you know, we, we're living in a fast paced society. Yeah. We we're greedy individuals, you know, when it really comes down to it. Another, capitalistic. I mean, we are a yeah, capitalistic very, society. Very so capitalistic. That's, that's, so this is a time now, one of the best things that came, comes out of downturns is loyalty and the people that can service other people are the ones that are going to benefit. And so one of my mentors years ago, Jason, what he told me is he said, look, if you're somebody and everybody else is a nobody, there's no money in the bank. But if you put people ahead of you, and you make them somebody, and you work on their behalf, and you put money in their pockets, then there's always money in the bank. And so I've utilized that concept back then. I've utilized it a lot over my career. And I'll tell you that we, have, we get sloppy like anybody else in business over the course of time because you get comfortable. But over the last 30 days, we've really focused on that. And I said, you know, if this is a time to hire, not lay people off, this is a time to clean up our mess and really focus on our growth, our customer service, and um, really hone in on what we should be doing anyways, but we don't because everybody gets sloppy with it. And um, this is a time to service the needs and, and people will benefit from it. We'll, from what we do now, uh, as much as people are going to get affected by the economic downturn, it's important to be able to give back. And when you give back, you're going to grow and you're going to uh, benefit financially. But what's cool about it is there's going to be people in our surrounding circle that are also going to benefit because we're going to do exactly what we did from 2008 to 2010 or 12. And there's going to be a whole variety of people that benefit economically from it. I, I can even kind of just see it just in your overall demeanor when you spoke about giving back and value add. Our, our company's philosophy is hashtag value add. Everything we do from a relationship to a real estate, we try to add value. Um, just that's it. And if we do that, we'll be successful. But I think what's more important than success today is, is mental success because, oh, wait, uh, I've saw more grown men cry than any time in my entire life. It's really the only time I've ever seen grown men cry. I was a farm kid. You, you, you know, you snap your leg in half on a, on a farm accident, you grab a wrench and throw it and then be like, all right, let's go to the hospital. You know, it's like, that's how you overcome yeah. it. You don't cry. You, you, you man up, you pull yep. your boots up as my grandpa would say. So, um, you know, and that's, but no wait, it, it, there was no pulling your boots up for some of these guys. I mean, they were devastated absolutely yeah. devastated. And it, and that mental game that they were losing was way more important than the financial game that they were losing. So if you can gain financially to take advantage of the situation, great. But I think what's more important is, is being the one that's the mentally the strongest. And I think the only way you really do that is by adding value to others and yourself and improving your personal position and the people around you's position and putting yep. them ahead. 
So yeah, Jason, and you know, it, it's per, I mean, you saying that just brings back a lot because I, I talk about this, and people may be watching this, and they they're thinking, well, this guy, you know, he just has a lot of experience in this, and um, I don't want them to think that because the situation I was in was the same situation everybody was in. I wasn't prepared for it. We we got really close to bankruptcy. Um, it was a very humbling B- BK. Time. We don't, I, I don't allow the, the, that word. It's that BK. Word. Just, just BK. BK. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We, we got really close to BK. Um, I didn't know how long it was outside of our control. You know, the economic and financial crisis, just like COVID-19, it's outside of everybody's control. Sure. We don't know how long it's going to last. Right. Um, so we positioned ourselves differently this time. So, you know, I say in a humble fashion, we're in a very different position today than we were in 2008. But I'll tell you, I remember December of 2008 rolling into 2000, January of 2009. I sat at my desk and uh, I turned to my wife and I literally had it broken down to the dollar on how long we could service the debt and um, without having to lose something. And I was literally sitting down to figure out what we were willing to lose first and um, what, how we were going to get through this. And I turned to my wife and I looked at her and I said, look, I know you can't be shopping. I don't care if you buy a hundred dollar blouse from Neiman Marcus or ten dollar blouses from Ross. It's all still a hundred bucks, and we need every bit of it. And it was, she said, it was the first time in her life she had ever seen me scared um, in in a financial basis on anything that we did. And so it was humbling. And I'll tell you that we, I just put my head down. You go to work, you uh, surround yourself around a positive mental attitude and you focus and you really hone down on what you're doing and you have to put, a, you go in and work as hard as you can. And then a lot of it lays in faith. Um, and I, I'm a strong believer of that. And I, I'll tell you every day before I walk downstairs, just make the sign of the cross. I go downstairs and say, okay, God, give me the ability to go out there and be the best Jerome Jerome can be today and make things happen. And, um, and then everything else I just had to put in the hands of faith and then just go to work. And I just really put, put my head down and, and uh, really focus. But every day I really just went in, I worked hard at just making sure we get through this. And I think that's what people need to do today. Don't surround themselves around the negativity, um, the media. Um, really, they need to be surrounding themselves around positive influences, focusing on what they need to be doing instead of the problems. They need to fo- focus on a solution and um, really start moving in that direction. Yeah, I think faith, whatever that is, you know, who, whoever, whatever you believe yep. in is, is super important during these times because you can get down a negative rabbit hole so quickly. And now with social media, and uh, we had a guest on recently that said social media has gone up 30%. That average amount of time people are spending a day has gone up 30% since the stay at home initiatives have, have come in. And just the amount of negativity that can be on, on social media is, is overwhelming. And I think yeah. for a real estate investor, if you're in a, a tough position, you bought some property and that person can't pay the rents, uh, you, can, you can struggle really hard right now. And I think that's what I hope the listeners can take away, away from you is just how much you even were able to just kind of brighten up the, the, the audible whenever you spoke about giving back and the positivity. Cause when you were telling us about the success that you had at the beginning, that was just a matter of fact, but your whole demeanor changed when you were telling us about giving back and, and doing those creative things to get out of that situation you were in, in, in a way. So yep. um, I think that's, that's super key. So what's, before we go to the 
last uh, final five questions and take a quick break. What's the one to three tips that you, you think after a discussion that we've talked about that, that we might not have covered that would be just short, you can be personal or on business on the real estate that the listeners could do to make sure that they stay positive, stay ahead and come out of this in a better position than they, they were today. So I think there's two types of listeners. I think there's people who own real estate that are going through this um, and living it, right? And um, and then there's the second type of people that are taking a look at this, knowing that this may be a good time to start investing. And so I'm talking to both of them. Um, for the investor that has uh, been in this and they're, uh, they're struggling to get through this, um, one, they're going to need to get creative and they're going to need to diversify um, in what they're doing. And so th- that kind of leads to the second thing I'm going to recommend to people. Look, right now, we're in April of 2020, right? And so depending on when you hear this, this airing, whether it's six months from now, two months from now, there's about a 60 to 90 day period right now that I advise people not to be buying, you know, um, they, they need to sit and watch and they need to have patience in doing so. Um, and one of the biggest things is people, I think, get very antsy and they, uh, there's a bell curve that's going to happen, right? And so we've been on the top of this bell curve, um, where it's, we've been on this incline, we've been on the top of this bell curve, and now this bell curve is going to drop and it's going to decline. At some point in time, we're going to hit a bottom end of this. And then in, in, at some point in time, we hit that bottom end, it's going to climb back up and it will supersede where we are even now today because thriving markets are 30% higher than they were pre-recession. Average markets are still you know, comparable to where we were pre-recession or maybe even slightly below it. But there, we're still just barely on the infancy stages of the drop. And so if people get too anxious, they're going to buy still up here on the top, top end of this, of this bell curve drop. And so we'll have a better understanding by July of this year, August of this year, of what type of real economic impact this is going to have. Because the normal is not going to be the new normal after we come out of this. There's going to be retailers that cannot reacclimate. After this, there's going to be restaurant owners that cannot reopen because they're just too financially far gone. And so as a result, um, there's going to be homeowners that can't come back from their rental from 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 the uh, demise of their of their rents that they're going to have to pay. And so because of this, there's going to be a multifaceted of real estate that's also going to be affected. And so it's going to continue to decrease that bell curve. And so my advice to people is to halt right now. Be smart. And I've, I've always been a more conservative buyer. Um, people always ask what, how I What about a stuff. seller? You're, you're saying maybe not, not buying, but if they maybe have something, should they just be dumping it right now? Like get it out there because if we're up, we're up here and it's going to be down here, or is it you need to put that asset in a position where you can not have to be forced to sell and you can ride it out like you did on your subway and doing the salons? Or would you yeah. say to... Hey, if you can get it sold, take the small hit and get liquid. So very good question. Very, very, very good question. So for the sellers, there, there's, you could take it both ways. And it depends really on how liquid you are on your property. So if you're financially, um, if you're financially liquid on it and you have, let's say, a 50% debt-to-income ratio, 60%, even 70% debt-to-income ratio on your property, and you have and you have upside to it, this may be a good, in your property cash flows, this may be a good time just to hold, not sell. But if you have debt and you're servicing debt, what I always tell people is, is move that property, even if it's for a loss. I had a good buddy of mine that at the time, we get together for lunch at least once a month and he would tell me, 
Jerome, how are you doing? He, we would check in with each other. And he said, Jerome, take a, he goes, take a loss on, on the stuff that you can, even if you lose hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I know for some people, they're not in it that deep, um, but we were. But even if it's several thousands of dollars, whether it's $10,000, $5,000, and just exit. And it's kind of like the stock market, you know. Um, if, you, if you're trading on margin, back uh, in 2001 when I was trading on margin, just around around 9-11, I'll tell you that we were trading on margin. They started doing four sales on me, and I ended up losing everything that I had in the stock market. And that's exactly what can happen to you in the real estate market if you don't take small losses. There's a potential not knowing where that bottom end that you can lose the whole property. Why not lose a few thousand dollars, even if you lose some of your um, some of your invested capital? At least this way, you hang on to your credit, you hang on to part a part of your capital that you can reinvest because you'll make it up elsewhere. You know, and that's the same thing with the stock market. Sometimes you'll sell a stock for a loss just to reinvest it in something that has dropped even lower to gain the appreciations over the course of time. And there's no different in real estate. So if you're a seller and you're listening to this and you have a lot of debt on a property, you need to get rid of that debt right now. Um, if you're over leveraged on stuff and you need to become a little bit more liquid. And so my advice to sellers would be, yes, if you have debt, move that property, even if it's for a loss, humble yourself to the experience and reinvest it because you'll become, you'll become more ahead of that bell curve reinvesting that capital, that lost capital than you will be if you try to hang on and hope with your fingers crossed that you're going to be able to live it. Because if you have an, an exponential amount of debt and we hit that bell curve to the bottom and it can't service its own debt and you don't have a means to do it, you're just going to lose the whole property. For sure. Which a ton of people did in 08 to 2010. So I think yeah. that's a great segue to take a quick break and then come back with the top five. Hey, it's Adam Adams. And I want to take a second to say thank you to one of our sponsors. Now, if you've tried to earn a full-time income flipping houses the traditional way, you know, it takes a lot of money. Putting 10 or 20% down on each house adds up fast. Plus you could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars if you get caught holding a few houses when the market crashes. Well, what if I told you that there was a better way to flip houses, a way that didn't require much upfront capital, a way that made it easy to find more fix and flip deals than you could even handle. And best of all, a way that insulated you from losing all your money in a market crash. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is a simple way to quit your job and flip houses full time. It's called fix and list deal. Eric Young used the strategy to quit his job, double his income, and become a self-made house flipper in less than a year. Eric's a real estate investor located in Denver, and he's perfected the fix and list strategy over the last four years. And he's got a free giveaway. Learn how you can implement the fix and list strategy by watching Eric's free video lessons at fixandlistsecrets.com. It may just change your life. Welcome back from break. We have Jerome and we are very excited to dive in a little further than we already have. We've gained a ton of value add information from Jerome, um, but the next five questions are even going to dive a little deeper. So we're going to start off with the first one we always ask is what's your most creative deal you've been involved in or come across in your real estate career? So most creative deal, um, you know, there, there's, you only have two or three just incredible stories probably through a good career where you sit back and you scratch your head and you wonder how they came about. Um, but I'll tell you, those are the deals that um, just sweeten the pie, you know, because the mo- majority of them are, are good average deals. They, they build wealth long term. But um, I, I have a, a retail center that we picked up. And I'll tell you, we, we wanted to get out of retail completely. And, um, you know, we, uh, 
sometimes things unfold to, to you when at a time where um, you're least expecting, right? And so when we had this, uh, this retail center that was uh, causing a lot of stress in this office complex, the office complex was worth about $8 million. The retail center was worth um, about half that. And um, when we first went into uh, Arizona, we started buying just a bunch of uh, what I, I would consider garbage properties, D properties, really not, not a really affluent area in uh, central Phoenix. And we, uh, and I, I was just doing it so that I could generate a little bit of capital and the one deal was taking all of that portfolio. It just wasn't just one piece of real estate, but it was a portfolio of less affluent real estate. And that real estate that we were picking up for $25,000 to $35,000 for single family homes, uh, we landed up turning and selling for all of them over six figures, whether it was on real estate contracts or to end buyers. And then we landed up doing a little portfolio sale and we did a 1031 exchange on the property and uh, on the portfolio package. Um, we had financed out of it and we had about um, in one sector sector of, of the portfolio, we had about $300,000 in and we were able to cash all of that out. We were getting about 900 to $1,100 a month in rent on 12 different properties and um, per single family property. And so we still cash loaded about $8,000 a month. And then we were able to exit that stuff in about five years after we purchased it. And we took a whole, gross portfolio, 100% in for us was about $700,000. And we were able to reinvest 100% of that capital that we had exited 100% of our money out of. It cash flowed for five years. We serviced our other debt with it. And then we got into an $8 million apartment complex. And what I always tell people is we were able to take a modest, small $300,000 portfolio, another $400,000 portfolio, weighed over the course of time, and through all the stress and agony of everything that we had to go through in 2008 through 2012, um, back in like 2017, we were able to turn that portfolio and get into an $8 million asset from small trash investment back during the distressed time. And there's going to be people that have similar experiences to that now. And so it serviced the debt to our retail centers that were stressing us out. I felt like we were going to lose them. Um, we were just, they were the demise to our real estate portfolio at the time. And because I was pressed financially and had to get creative, the real estate that I bought just to service the debt and just to get through the times that I had no idea were going to turn to what they did, um, landed up being one of our biggest winners that we had. And it's just a, a home run as far as asset growth at a downturn when we were buying garbage with nothing, with just the minimal amount of money that we had and what we were able to turn it into. It's just one of those home runs that you sit back and scratch your head and go, man, if I had five of those, I'd be done. You know? For sure. That's so. anytime you hear someone say, man, if only I had five of those, or only if I had done 10 of those, you know, that's that one creative deal or two or three creative deals in their kind of lifetime where they are game changers. They're life changers for sure. So yep. What's a, what's a book that you highlight and recommend to, to others getting in the real estate game? You know, it's not even a real estate book. Um, in these times, um, you said it best earlier that the, um, the mental side of what people are going to have to go through right now is going to be one of the strongest things that, uh, that's going to hold them together. And the people that can stay the strongest mentally are going to be the winners in this game. 
Um, and I'll recommend this book like a grain of salt because I'll tell you that I, I stopped and halted. Um, and it, it, the, the uh, book is called uh, The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. And I got to about the third chapter of that book the first time I read it. And in that third, third or fourth chapter, it said the best book of success that was ever written uh, was the Holy Bible, man. And so I'll tell you, I'm not one of these yo-yo praise people that are out there preaching, but I, I was raised with a good strength of faith. And um, so when, when I got to that chapter, I, I sat back, I closed the book, and I said, well, shoot, if, I'm, if the best book written on success is the Holy Bible, why, why am I reading this book? And I went back and I did, I started reading passages out of the Bible and it's one of the most, the, the best success books ever written is the Bible. And um, I landed up finishing the book about six months later. And so right now with, with everything that's going on, keeping a solid mental state is key. And if I can encourage anybody to do nothing more than keep their mental state strong um, by reading, you know, the power of positive thinking and really getting into uh into just making sure that you're mentally solid, that alone is going to help you succeed during the downturn of what's happening right now um, with the coronavirus and the economic impact that we're going to face for the next few months and into the next few years. Yeah. It'll, it'll help you, your real estate and your personal life as well. So um, where do you see the, in kind of just a short narrated version, because this can be podcast in itself, where do you see the real estate market in five years? And where do you see yourself at that time? It's going to be climbing in five years from now, we're going to get out of this five years down the road here. um, People are going to start slowly. There's going to be newcomers to the game. Um, but there's going to be a lot of people that uh, this circumstance is humbled. And so it's going to, that's going to be the best part of this, of this whole downturn right now is five years from now, because it'll still be early enough into the game that we're not hitting the high of the market. That bell curve I was talking about, we'll, by, in five years, we should have surpassed the bottom end and we should be climbing out of it. And so if you can pick up on this bell curve, if, you're way, if, the, if the top of this bell curve is, is here now, and then we're going to supersede that a little bit. We'll be climbing out of that bell curve in five years from now. And so what you need to be doing is position yourself for turning properties and, um, and, and being able to profit heavily between now and that five years um, from buying stuff on the, on, on the way on the ride down at the bottom end and on the ride up. And there's profit to be made on all three of those sectors. And so people need to understand that you don't need to buy way at the bottom. You just have to buy someplace in the middle of that bell curve all the way to the bottom and then on the rise up. And we're still going to be on that rise back up in five years from now. And so in five years from us, we're still going to be working. Um, I have a 10-year deal. I partnered up with Ty Lopez. If you guys know who Ty Lopez is, mm-hmm. um, we're business partners and real estate mentor. And we're buying real estate right now. We were, we've been working on it together for the last uh, six to nine months on acquisitions and purchases. And so we've been waiting for this. And um, so we said this is a 10-year run. We're both in our mid-40s. And uh, we said we told each other, look, this, this next run is going to be a 10-year run. And so in five years, we're going to be halfway there on this 10-year run. And um, we're going to still be running and pressing our real estate portfolio. And so I recommend that people get involved and start moving because in five years from now, um, you, we're going to be about the middle of getting back to the top of that peak end of that bell curve. Yeah, if you're not working now for that five years, you're, you'll be five years behind, behind that curve. curve. So, uh, and then how do you give, give back? And it's the real estate community and sector has given a lot to you. How do, how do you give back to it? 
you know, I'll tell you, um, Jason, I'll be the first to tell you, um, that's one of my biggest skills. I don't give back enough. Um, we need to be giving back more. You know, we give back um, through what we do in business wise. And, um, we, uh, we do a lot of stuff. There's some partnerships that we have, um, that, uh, I've been working with some other professionals in, in fact, um, if you guys know uh, Cole Hatter and Big Sexy, his dad, Ricardo, um, they do some stuff down in, in uh, Ensenada, Mexico. And so I've been trying to work with Ricardo. And we're doing some stuff that we're working on down there with those guys um, in building houses for people that don't have homes. And, um, and then we get back locally, um, you know, a lot of stuff locally. A lot of what we get back to is, is other charities for kids and children. Um, being dyslexic, coming from that upbringing, um, I give a lot back to literacy. Um, and right now it's a time to give back to everybody in the business world where I spoke about earlier, I think is one of the key components right now. Um, it's tough. It's hard for people to be giving back financially right now with direct cash, but if we can give back by just giving more of ourselves, our time, um, our knowledge and our positivity and creativity and as an entrepreneur and our ability, knowing what we've went through, uh, one of my big uh, ways in giving back this time is to try to hire more people, stimulate the economics and, um, nationwide, wherever we're doing work at, and um, teaching people how to do the same. I can't, I can't tackle this all alone. People sit back and say, well, well if, if you know this stuff, why would you teach it to other people? Because there's a, there's, a, there's a world out there that's bigger than Jerome. I can't capture all of it myself. And so if I can just educate a handful of good people that I can give some knowledge to and some insight to um, that can also do some of what we're doing, together we can make bigger changes. I, I just can't do it all alone. I need the help. And so my way of giving back, if I can give some of my knowledge and experience to people to help me do what we're doing, um, and hopefully this podcast also helps in doing this a little piece of that um, because I think more than anything, that's what we need in this day and age. Um, more so than even just giving money as an, as a, as a nominal return that's short, short lived. For sure. Well, if people want to learn more, connect out with you or connect with you one-on-one, uh, -on -one, what's the best way, what's the one way that we should put in our show notes for people to be able to connect with you one-on-one? -on -one? Um, they can uh, get a hold of us, DM us on Instagram. If you go to Jerome Maldonado and the number one, um, you can find my picture on there. Um, all my social media sites have the exact same photo, so it's really easy to find. If you go to Facebook, um, we're maxed out on our personal page, but if you go to our public figure page of Jerome Maldonado, you can also uh, messenger us, and uh, my team will get it, and they'll, they'll, get, over to, they'll get those messages over to me. Um, or you can even find us on LinkedIn. Just go to Jerome Maldonado. You'll see my uh, real estate experience. You'll know it's me by my photo, and uh, you can reach out to us on any of those social media platforms, whether it's Instagram, um, in direct message, Facebook Great. and messenger or through LinkedIn. Great. We'll put those in the show notes and just to kind of wrap up, uh, it's been an awesome episode. It's been a motivating episode for sure. So Jerome, what we kind of, at least what I've taken away is that you have to add value no matter where you are within that, that bell curve and you have to get creative. You have to figure out the subway leases and the salon leases and, and development and you and starting a construction company to add value that way. So it's all about getting creative. And that's the entire reason for this podcast is being creative. And it, it's going to take creative to get through the next the next little cycle. So um we really appreciate it. And as we always like to say, you gotta think 
outside the box. This is Jason J. Lou Lewis, co-host of the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I want to say it's an absolute honor to have you as a listener, and we thank you for tuning in today. We also want to thank our sponsor, FixAndListSecrets.com. They have that great free video lesson, and in that video lesson, you will learn to never struggle to find or fund your next fix and flip deal again. Learn how to flip houses without ever taking out a mortgage or a hard money loan. You can now flip houses full-time and not have the risk of losing money in a real estate market crash. There's a simple way to flip houses full-time, and this is it. Visit FixAndListSecrets.com. See you on our next episode.